0: The Night Shift, episode 109. We are back at it together. Mike Stubbs, Kyle Gramard. your host. You can follow us on socials at Stubbs980 with two Bs, at Kyle Grimard. We are talking all things London Knights, Ontario Hockey League, and there is a lot to break down over the course of the weekend. Mike, it is good to be back on this. You had a very busy weekend, of course, following along with all the sporting events, but the London Knights kept the train rolling 21 21- in their last 23 contests. Easton Cowan keeps the
1: streak going. What a weekend. This was nuts. And we can spend a little bit of time on the game against the Windsor Spitfires, Kyle. The Knights played a very controlled game. It was a very emotional night. Logan Hunter was remembered before the game. His three children were part of a ceremonial face-off. They were the honorary captains. His wife, Alicia, dropped the puck. His family was there, his mom and dad, his sisters. So that was a very emotional moment and really highlighted the night the knights went out and got a win over the windsor spitfires to extend their streak we had an outstanding total in the 50 50 draw this really shows how the london community comes together and the things that the london community can do the 50 50 jackpot just for the winner was thirty thousand three hundred and five dollars and that means that we have all kinds of proceeds. The other half of the 50-50 going to the Baker Center for Pancreatic Cancer in memory of Logan Hunter. And again, it's within the London Health Sciences Center, and they do an amazing job diagnosing and treating pancreatic cancer. And they've got a lot of new clinical trials. They have new innovations. They have personalized treatments. So thank you to everybody who works for the Baker Center for Pancreatic Cancer. And thank you to everybody who donated to that 50-50 by buying a ticket. So that was Friday night. And the Knights, with a 5-1 to victory, ended up extending their streak to 20 0 0 2 and then Kyle Sunday came along. And I think we're going to spend a lot of this podcast on Sunday because this will be a game that people will be talking about for years. We've actually highlighted a game before between the London Knights and the Oshawa Generals. It took place at Budweiser Gardens. It's a story I love to tell because it's so nuts. You have Max Domi and Bo Horvat, two now very successful National Hockey Leaguers, sitting on the bench. It is nothing Oshawa. And it is getting on in the third period. And the Knights are on a winning streak at that point. And they are trying to extend that winning streak. And Max looks at Bo and says, Bo, all these people here did not come to see us lose. Jumps over the boards and scores. And then scores again. And then Bo Horvat is responsible by setting up and then scoring the last two goals of the game. Meaning, He scored to tie it and then set up the winner in overtime. And you think, that's never going to happen again. Well, it happened. We had under 12 minutes remaining in a game. The Knights were down 3-0 on the road. And they managed to come back and win it dramatically with 20.7 seconds left. Easton Cowan scores the winner to tie Mitch Marner for the second longest point streak by a London Knight. In the internet era, we always call it because the OHL statistics (laughs) don't let us know whether Dave Simpson may have had a longer point streak or Brian Bradley may have had a longer point streak or Chris Taylor, the guy who Corey Perry passed as all-time leading scorer on the night. So we can't get their statistics, but it's Mitch Marner at 21 and it's Sergei Kostitsin at 25 and now it's Easton Cowan at 21. So Kyle, this, this was wild. Absolutely wild. And I think we need to set some context for this game because I think we need to go back and look at the fact that it started out with the Knights taking five penalties in the opening period. there was a double minor for high sticking to Easton Cowan. And then there was a double minor to Landon Sim. He got an extra two. These two teams were scrumming with each other. They played 101 games this year without meeting each other. 101 games combined, and then all of a sudden they get together and they're in each other's faces? Uh, that was odd, but that's what was happening. And the Knights were picking up some extra penalties. And at the end of the period, Isaiah George was running out the clock and Stu Roloffs was kind of coming in hot, and George put his stick up and gave him a cross-check, and he got called for cross-checking. Would you see it every time? Probably not. But you saw it this time. And so it put the Knights into some penalty trouble and a one nothing Oshawa lead turned into a three nothing Oshawa lead because they scored on those power plays that carried over into the second period and so the Knights had come out Max McHugh admitted they didn't start well obviously we didn't start the way we wanted to we
0: came out a little flat and they kind of took it to us there to be honest for the first you know 40 minutes of the game and then um you know we kind of just said let's get back to our game here in the third and just see what happens and um next thing you know we got one then two and um, that it's kind of just an all-out blitz to try and, you know, tie the game and uh, just shows how resilient our team is. And, um, you know, we've, we've come back in a lot of games lately where we've scored a
1: goal late to tie it, and um, that's what you're going to need uh, down the stretch and in the playoffs. And so that's where they were sitting in this game. They're down, and then the Knights get... Successive power play opportunities and they don't score. Jacob Oster was outstanding in the Oshawa net. We'll get the Michael Simpson because he was outstanding plus about a hundred, but they could not score on those power plays. And so you go to the third period and the third period starts with Oshawa playing this perfectly. You've got a three-goal lead. What do you want to do? The Knights talk about this all the time. Make your opponent go 200 feet. Get that puck deep. And Oshawa was in a 1-1-3, one, one, a 1-3-1. One, one. In other words, they were trapping it up, and they were making it awfully tough for the London Knights. Then they get to the five-minute mark, and nothing much is happening. Seven-minute mark, nothing much is happening. Less than 12 minutes to go, and Kyle, that's when things started to happen.
0: Yeah. And you're absolutely right, Mike. And it's it's the Knights have done this all year long. And what I mean by that is they have found ways to win in various situations and they have played a running gun style. They have won games 10-7 this year. They've won games where they get out to lead and they're the ones defending and surviving onslaughts. Then they'd be in the team that have come back from multiple goals down. This was early in the season. The Knights did this in Owen Sound. They almost did this against the Sioux. They've done this on a multitude of occasions. And this was another example of the Knights knowing what their standard is, knowing how well they played, but knowing each other and knowing, guys, we've done this before. We can do it again. They stick with what they know. They stick with what has worked.
1: And lo and behold, it starts to begin. And that's exactly what Isaiah George pointed to. I think just belief, like, uh, I think we have belief that we can put the puck in the net. And then just even though halfway through that, like, we didn't have a goal yet, but I think we were hemming them in, we're getting lots of chances. So it's just like bound to come if we just stuck to it. Knights defenseman Isaiah George, that belief. And if you have it, If you can prove to yourself you can do things, whether it's coming back from down a goal in the third period or down two goals or at least salvaging a point as the Knights did with late goals against Erie or or winning in a shootout in Owen Sound with a late third period goal you know that you've got 60 minutes. It's like the Kansas City Chiefs in the Super Bowl, when they're driving in overtime, they know they have four downs. You know that it's going to be, until the clock runs out, that you have an opportunity to put a puck in a net. And that's where it started. So the context of this game... On the road, down 3 nothing. your opponent playing well, their goaltender is lights out, making all kinds of saves, you're flat, every ingredient you needed to see a streak come to an end was there. They had all of them. This was going to be bake a cake, you've got all the ingredients, go. And then Kasper Haltonen gets a puck and goes crashing around the boards. He's along the end boards, and he just wouldn't stop. And people are running into him, and he's finding ways to get the puck through them. And then he's able to get himself out front into a scoring position. And when you give Kasper Haltonen that opportunity, he didn't just pick a top corner. He put the puck inside where the crossbar and the post meet. He put it into not whatever we would call whatever is is smaller than the top corner. That's where he put it. Here's Casper describing what it took to break the ice in this game. We had to do something there, and I tried, tried my best, and uh, I don't know, that's just, that's just what I do. It's hard to describe, right? It's hard to describe. And that made it 3-1, and then Michael Simpson was just coming up large. It could have been 4-1 almost right after that goal. He makes two huge saves. It could have been four-one. Should have been four-one. There was no reason for him to stop both of those shots after a turnover in the London end, but he did, and it stayed three-one. And then Jacob Julian ended up making it three-two, and he actually credited Casper Halton and with helping him to do that. No, I got to give all credit to Halton here. He uh, that was a great pass from the corner. I uh, I don't honestly don't know how he saw me, but. Found the stick right, right on the tape, and tried to put it in the back of the net, and ended up going in. And then the tying goal. What do you remember about the tying goal, Casper? I just uh, remembered being open on the slot, and, and uh, it was a from Larry. It was a beautiful sauce pass there, and I, I saw the D drop his knee to block the shot, put it a little, and then uh, <laughs> put it in the top corner, and uh, it was a pretty, pretty nice feeling. And then. Let's talk quickly, Jacob, about Michael Simpson and the saves that he made. That game could have been 4-1, could have been 4-2. It wasn't. It stayed 3-1. It stayed 3-2. Yeah, obviously he's he's a great leader on this team. So, um, he kind of led us to the victory there. He really helped us out. Uh, little mistakes we were making. He, he was shutting down the opportunities. So he really kept us in the game and yeah, worked out for us. Jacob Julian and Casper Haltonen. Casper on the tying goal giving credit to Caleb Lawrence for his pass from him in behind the net and then it was it was 3-3 and again Michael Simpson had made saves in between those two goals he made another massive one that could have made the game 4-2 and we talked with him after the game and first off we had to ask him how many point blank saves he could even remember <laughs> remember the one on roll-offs kind of right before uh, I think we scored, but um, a lot of it was just trying to stay in the moment for me, and you know,
0: I was happy enough that I, I guess I could make those saves to give us a chance, so it was nice, but that, uh, you know, being able to do that, And but I think credit kind of goes to the whole team tonight. It was pretty pretty gutsy performance in the third
1: period in the last, like, 12 minutes or so to get that win. It was pretty impressive, so. What's it like to know that this team has that belief that even though you only had 11 minutes, you still had 11 minutes? Yeah, yeah.
0: no, it's nice. It's kind of, I guess, kind of takes you back to Lasher bit, where it's like, you know, even if I letting you know one or two early you know you kind of sometimes you want those back um that you know the guys are going to find a way to get the two points
1: still but look at what michael simpson points to the idea that this is a team he's got his role everybody else has their roles and kyle we mentioned this on the podcast last week you pointed it out when you've got everybody accepting roles you got something special
0: Right. You really do. And, you know, it's it's fun to see those guys not only embrace those roles, but you see those guys love those roles. They know what they do and they know that they're good at them. And that also goes into play as well. Like when your mentality is, listen, I know that I'm not the top line guy this year but i know that i can crash and bang i know that i can forecheck i know that i can win puck battles i know that we can build sustained pressure and they like doing that whether it's at home or whether it's on the road because it frustrates the other team and then that's followed up with a shift from a whole new set of guys that also know their role and the role might be a little bit different but sometimes you know it's it's started from what you do in your shift that then proceeds to have every other guy follow in place with their role and it's layer and layer and layer and that is a tough recipe to beat and speaking of roles mike we talk about michael simpson you know you look at the stat sheet and you go oh the knights won four three you know their goalie played okay gave up three goals that's not if you don't watch the game and you don't know michael simpson was spectacular because in a game they were down three nothing he had to make multiple saves, big time saves just to allow the Knights to get themselves back in. He was making saves when it was three one and and so-and-so to the point where the London Knights were able to come back. It's because he didn't give up the next goal. And that role that Michael Simpson played later on in the game, allowed London to come back and to take that one in overtime.
1: And you look at the overtime period and that's something else we've got to talk about because in overtime, the London Knights got a power play. Oshawa tried the sneaky move the sneaky move because now you've changed ends. The sneaky move in in overtime is you use your bench. So a guy goes into the door closest to your net, and the next guy jumps out from the other end of the bench. And Oshawa tried that. They just didn't time it perfectly. So a guy goes in, and another player jumps onto the ice, and it turned what was a three-on-two into a three-on-three. Three. Knights had a three-on-two coming out of their own zone. Turns into a three-on-three. Three. And it it happened so fast, it was blown down immediately because you didn't have the first guy off the ice. So this was too many men on the ice. But that's what Oshawa was trying to do. And then the Knights get a power play, and they don't score on it. This is the number one power play in the league, and they don't score a power play goal all game yesterday and Jacob Oster made some big saves on that power play Knights outshot Oshawa 5-1 in overtime and that again is the recipe for when that power play ends and the other team gains control that they come down the ice and they score the winner how many times have we seen it that's just the recipe for hockey and they had every opportunity Londoner Dylan Roebrook took a puck hard to the net he is six foot seven At the end of a 65-minute game that was going how it was with the Knights doing what they had to do in order to just get back in this game, you are dog-tired. And somehow, they were able to prevent him from getting to the net. And then Sam Dickinson flips a puck into the air. Here's Easton Cowan. On scoring the game winner. The
0: boys did a good job of battling back there, made it 3-3. Uh,
1: Simmer stood on his head
0: there and made a good save, and then Dickie had a good flip, and uh, you know, I tried to go 5-0 earlier. I thought if I faked it, I went back in at work, and it did, he so worked out pretty check. good.
1: Now the puck is flipped into center ice.
2: Easton Cowan with a breakaway. Easton Cowan goes in, he dekes, he scores!
1: He Easton scores! Cowan extends his point streak to 21 games, tying Mitch Marner, who he'll play with one day if both of them continue to be Maple Leaf property, 21-game point streak, going to the backhand and finishing this one off. It was a movie script. It was a storybook. It was the Knights' Super Sunday, but they were able to get this thing done.
0: Well, it's not even just if the Knights are going to have that mentality. It's the fact that the other teams are already starting to have that mentality of looking at them and going... Man, they come at you in waves. They score from everywhere. Cowan can't be stopped. Halton's got an NHL level shot. Their goaltender won OHL goaltender of the playoffs. How do we beat? And it's just, it's a mentality thing that other teams go, okay, we got to be perfect. And one mistake could cost us. And the Knights are just here playing their game. And again, I'm going to bring this up, Mike, because a lot of people reached out to me. I'm assuming a lot of people reached out to you when the OHL trade deadline came and went and everyone went, Why did the Knights to make a move? It's because they didn't have to. It's because they made moves prior to the deadline that addressed all of their, quote, needs or issues or things that they may have looked to improve. They acquired a goaltender, Michael Simpson, from Peterborough before the season even began. They made a move to really bolster the blue line. They brought in Henry Bustavich, who's been playing some offense and defense at the same time. Sam Dickinson has really come into his role. Landon Sim began the year injured and came halfway through the year. That bolstered. They made one move for Caleb Lawrence, who was really kind of, you know, solidified some depth at the offensive side, but they just looked at their team. And when well, we already have a guy in Easton Cowan and Denver Barkey, who both were two of the top scorers in the playoffs last year, who are already back with us. Oliver Bonk was a stud. Who's now going to grow into another role along with Sam Dickinson. Isaiah George is back. We acquired Alec Leonard last year, who was a really carved out a role for himself as well. There's not really a spot that you want to, you know, force a player into because then all of a sudden you go, it's it's messing with their chemistry. It's messing with the vibe of the organization. They have veterans on the team, like guys like Max McHugh already. So there's, they kind of had everything they already needed. So the hunters looked at each other and went,
1: we're good. And so far it's looked like it's the right play. It is about chemistry. And this is a team that is a test in chemistry because could they have made moves? Sure. Anybody can make moves, But it's a test in chemistry. And they looked at the team and they thought, no, these these guys, they like each other. They play for each other. And there have been so many times, there's always seemingly a moment after a trade deadline. And a general manager sometimes does it or maybe the team just does it and it happens at any level. And maybe it doesn't happen as formally as somebody saying, all right, this is our team. This is us. And you either galvanize or you don't. And when you hear those words and when you know, yeah, this is us, this is our team, there could be something special that comes out of that. And I think that's what we're seeing here with the Knights and the opportunities that they have now, they're in first place and they have everybody chasing them. And, boy, are teams chasing them. Can we tip a cap to the Saginaw spirit for what they did this weekend? They went to overtime against Owen Sound, found a way to win. They had to play Erie the next night on home ice again. Erie's not an easy team to play, and they beat Erie. And then they had to travel to Sault Ste. Marie on Sunday for an afternoon game, and they wound up winning all three games. They shut out the Sioux, and the Sioux is the third best team in the standings. So Saginaw (laughs) right now has game in hand on the London Knights, and if they were to win that game, even with the Knights record at 21-0-0-2, They have not lost a game going back to December the 10th. So even with that record, Saginaw would be two points behind the London Knights. So you still are being pushed, and it's going to take winning and winning and winning the rest of the way if you want to stay with and, in the Knights' case, hopefully stay ahead of the Saginaw spirit because they're going to do the same thing. Well, absolutely. And
0: it's also you don't want to you know, go through a cold spell going into the playoffs as well, because the morale is down. You start fixating a little things that you aren't doing right. And all of a sudden that carries over into a playoff series against a team that maybe doesn't have as much not, I not want to say pressure on them, but like you said, they're young, they're inexperienced. And sometimes that youth kind of goes hand in hand with, well, they've never really been here before. They don't really know the pressure. So they're just kind of here having a good time playing their game. That can be a dangerous combination. We've we saw it last year. Windsor Kitchener opening round number one, number eight seed Kitchener who did buy at the deadline and we're a team that were like, listen, we like our group, we're going to go for it. But Windsor made the big move, of course, for Shane Wright. They were the number one seed. There was all the pressure. They were expected to go all the way to the, at least the OHL finals, potentially a Memorial Cup. And what happens? Kitchen takes them out. And handily, they played their game. They took Windsor out. And it kind of made teams look a little bit and go, oh, like if we don't bring it, an eight seed can take out a one seed. It's not just in the NHL or it's not just a It is a junior hockey as well. If it if it's at any league, it's a junior hockey where anything can happen. So you want to make sure you're playing your best and you've got everything sorted out going into the playoffs because you never know who you're going to run into and what they could do to you in that opening round.
1: Impressive weekend for the London Knights. Impressive run. Now they take on the Sioux Greyhounds. Becomes one of those big games. And then they've got to go to Owen Sound on Saturday. Family Day game against Windsor. So three games in four days coming up. We'll preview those on the next podcast. We've had some questions as to Easton Cowan's point streak. How long is it? How does it compare to other players? We mentioned Sergei Kostitsin in the internet era. 25 games. That was in 2006, 2007. That was the longest. And this is a guy who had obscene talent. And so he's somebody that leads the way that way. If we look overall in the OHL, longest point streak ever, Doug Gilmore playing for the Cornwall Royals, 1982-83 at 55 games. So there aren't <laughs> enough games left for Easton Town <laughs> right now to get near Doug Gilmore. Brett McClain, 32 for the Oshawa Generals in 07-08. Jordan Cairo in Sarnia, 30. And then you've got Connor McDavid, Alex DeBrinckit, and John Tavares at 27. And then it goes down from there. So right now... Easton Cowan is in some pretty good company. He's tied with Mitch Marner, 21 games. Also in that list, Michael Del Cole, Vincent Trocek, guys who've gone on to play a bit in the National Hockey League. Vincent Trocek is certainly still there, and he continues to try to climb up the charts. One of the things to watch. Kyle, before we close out, let's congratulate four former London Knights. They are Cody Morgan. Cameron Baber, Jason Wilms, and last year's co-captain, Sean McGurn, who over the weekend went perfect. 30-0 and 0 in the regular season for the UNB Reds. First U-sports team to do it. Four X Knights on it. And we actually talked with London Knights equipment manager, Chris Matton because he was on a Western Mustang team in 2002-2003 that won the University Cup in university hockey. National champions. And they went 28 and oh in the regular season here is Knight's equipment manager chris Madden on what he remembers from 2002 2003
2: it was a busy season It uh we had, we had a fantastic team uh clark singer the head coach did an amazing job um to keep them focused for the season and you know with, with school work and you know the, the the boys are busy like um But to to go undefeated, like, it was just amazing. Like,
1: what a run. Do you remember as it got closer to the end of the season, were guys talking about
2: it a lot? Or was that team good enough that you just kind of went out and did what you did? There was some talk about it. Like, the the boys were, especially the older guys that had been there for a few years, um, it was a pretty big deal for them because, you know, it was 28 games it doesn't seem like a lot but with being off in december for exams you know it, it's still a hectic schedule and uh with exhibition games you know and and we flew out to uh halifax at christmas right after christmas for a couple exhibition games getting ready kind of thing you know for the finals and um yeah it was it was an experience you never forget and then you do wind up in Nationals. Where were Nationals that year? Uh, they were in Kitchener. They were in Kitchener and, uh, uh, again, really well done tournament. And um, to, to go to the finals there and uh, triple overtime. It was just amazing. There was an OHL game. <clears throat> Kitchener was playing golf in the playoffs and all the fans had to wait outside till the game was done and it kept going and going and going. Uh, the boys were cramping. You know, we had we didn't have much, you know, so we, we had we found a bottle of mustard and guys were having tablespoons of mustard to help with cramping and uh, Dan Liebold with Kitchener, you know, he, we had a few of his uh, guys on the team, so he was getting us dry underwear, and yeah, Dan was a big help for me as well. Triple
1: overtime, and then Stacy Brittstone. take us to that goal. What do you remember seeing?
2: Well, it was it was one of those games that never ended. <laughs> And when when Stacy you know got the goal it was it was just electrifying, like one, yeah, we won, but yeah, it was over. <laughs> the boys were so tired, and uh was there any more mustard at that point, or was that all gone? <laughs> the mustard was done, the mustard was done at that time, and yeah it was it was so exciting you, you don't forget we all still stay in touch um, you know the last it was twenty years uh, anniversary, we all went out for involved. Well, a bunch of us went out for dinner and yeah, it was good. Great stuff.
1: Well, now you got four more players who are looking to do the same thing in a few weeks. Yeah, it's good. Good for them, you know. Uh, Chris, thanks for this. Thanks, Mike. Knight's equipment manager, Chris Matten. I think what we've learned from there. We should always have a jar of mustard handy. Actually, I asked why the mustard, and I asked Matt Bogart, Knight's athletic therapist, and he says, sodium. If you're cramping, need sodium. And so they were getting the sodium out of the mustard. That's what was (laughs) helping them. And Stacey Brittstone gets the winner in triple overtime. And eventually, Kitchener and Guelph did play, even though all of the fans had to wait outside for a little while while the Mustangs finished up and the celebrations finished up as well. Just a fantastic story there. I've heard
0: stories about, you know, guys trying to find different ways and whatever their process is. We've seen guys in the NHL playing second and third overtimes, and they got bottles of Coke, they got chocolate bars, whatever they need to do to get through, uh, you know, long times or waits, whatever the case may be, but that's awesome stuff. Really happy for those guys, all of them. Uh, great London nights, and have gone on to do some fun stuff so far at UNB.
1: Great stuff. Well, Kyle, we'll preview what will be a busy weekend. We'll see if the London Knights can keep this going. Certainly had every opportunity to not keep it going in Oshawa, and once again, found a way. That's a special trait. This is a special team, and I can't wait to see what's next. Can't wait either, Mike, and, uh, yeah, we'll preview all of that on the podcast. You can follow along with it. Make sure you
0: listen to all episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Mike, we'll see you on later this week. Sounds great.